Hi, everybody. Welcome to another UH Studio Design Academy podcast. This session, we have Hamid from Parametric Architecture joining us. And Hamid is the founder of Parametric Architecture, which, as you may know, is the second most popular architecture blog and platform in the world right now, just behind arcdaily.com. And Hamid is also an innovator because he leads PA Academy and City Next. PA Academy is an academy for innovative and new ways, new technologies. And City Next are wonderful events where they invite both technical and design leaders and have live weekend workshops where they talk about all kinds of different innovative fields within architecture and design. So, Hamid, it's really great to have you on. Hi, how are you? Hi, thank you so much, Dimitar. I'm, I'm doing, doing great, and thanks for the invitation. My pleasure. So, tell us a little bit about your story. Are you an architect yeah. or a media company or a little bit of both? <laughs> yes. Uh, like, like uh, Of course, I'm an architect. Uh, I studied architecture in the university, a bachelor's degree, and uh, I graduated in 2012, but I've been working as an architect uh, in offices since 2010. Uh, so I have a quite good uh, experience in working on different type of projects from residentials, from cultural centers and different scales and uh, even interiors at what at a small stage, uh, small size uh, product design as well. So I have the, this experience of working in different scales uh, with different softwares that I was uh, designing with, and they can be divided into different stages as well. So yes, I'm an architect. Great. And so the question probably that everybody wonders is how did you come about creating parametricarchitecture.com? Actually, I, I was always interested in creating a connection between uh, mathematics and also architecture. You know, when I was uh, back in high school, I, I was really interested in studying mathematics in a school, uh, in, in, in university, or maybe physics, these kind of majors, actually. But after some time, with the suggestion of my brother, I chose architecture as, as the field of my study, which I'm very happy with that. And... When I studied, started studying architecture, I was always looking for ways to rationalize geometries or to somehow uh, close that gap between the uh, design process and the mathematics uh, that I wanted to bring into the design process. So, you know, the design process is very uh, personal and everyone is, is designing with their own experiences, with their own intentions, with their own understanding of the context of the project. I was always looking for somehow bringing numbers into account, into the process. This continued until into 2015 when I moved to Istanbul. I started living in Istanbul. Basically, I'm Iranian. I studied architecture in Iran. And uh, when I started living in here, I had a little bit of curiosity on learning different software. So there was a, a, a time I was sitting in the office working on some projects and there was something that I really wanted to model on, in, on 3ds Max. And I looked 
for it on YouTube and in the YouTube when I was watching the video to uh, uh, find my answer there was a suggestion tabs uh, there was a parametric design video which was a by, Span by a Spanish girl uh, showcasing volume select component and 3ds Max and designing a surface you know those basic uh, designs for parametric design uh, it was a surface and this girl was moving a object on the surface there was a couple of holes with uh, circles and also with uh, squares on it and wherever the uh, object was getting closer to any of these uh, surfaces uh, they were getting smaller or bigger you know the attraction po attractor point mm. on parametric design uh, we have now and grasshopper and other softwares as well so it just got me interested i tried to model exactly the same i didn't know what sh she was talking about but i replicated exactly the same uh, uh, steps and i did create it the same one on my screen then i thought maybe i can uh, apply it in a shell or a pavilion or something like that. And this is the point that actually architecture starts when you see something, when you get inspired, and then you try to apply it into your design scale, whatever it is, if it is architecture, if it is pavilion, if it is just a, a product design. And I made some animations, I made some renderings, and it gave me some kind of energy to uh, okay, this is something good. It's definitely mathematical. It's something that I can I can uh, continue. I just continued to do those kind of experiments. And along the way, I, I have heard about parametric design before, and uh, somehow I realized that, okay, this is also parametric design. Maybe I can keep learning the, the other softwares regarding this. I started learning Rhino, Grasshopper, and doing all of them in Grasshopper. Then one day I was sitting in the office, and I was in the toilet, actually. I said, maybe I can open a page called Parametric Architecture and just upload my own works over there. So I exited from my own account. I started with the registering a new account on Instagram. Parametric Architecture was taken before. I just put a dot in between. So it became like a parametric dot architecture. Then I came to uh, in the office, back to my desk. I started designing a logo. I made PA, parametric architecture, then I made P a bigger, A smaller. So this was the previous logo, very basic one. Then I uploaded a couple of the renderings that I had and uh, a couple of people followed uh, with two or three posts. Then uh, I, I, I kept posting uh, once a week. Uh, the renderings that I had, like the ones that you're doing or anyone else that now doing. As I was learning, I was uh, reading many articles uh, or learning softwares. I was also experimenting and publishing them on my Instagram. So uh, there was a video that I up uploaded when I had three, 30 followers. That video got viewed in less than one hour, 2,000 views, and it's still down there, actually. You can mm. go and watch it. So it was a facade. When the sun was hitting, the facade was changing, and re regarding that, the shadows were moving, or all it was creating an interactive space inside. So I uploaded that one. It gave me some kind of energy. Oh, I, I like this. I can continue this. Then uh, by uploading one work every week after 
nine months, uh, I had 10,000 followers actually. So I saw the wow. hype, the interest, the, the attention that there was on top of uh, over this parametric design term or parametric architecture or computational design. And I thought that I can maybe continue providing more information and knowledge about the things that I'm learning to the audience uh, while I'm reading an article or I can, I can, uh, I'm designing something, I can share other designers work as well. So that's not going to uh, hurt me. The moment I started being not selfish and giving back to the audience, to the community more, it started growing actually. So after 10, 10K followers, I started publishing other designers' work, other architects' projects, starting with the famous ones. Then as I did this, I narrowed down the, this topic and started knowing other designers, uh, other architects. I started connecting with them. They invited me to their offices. And, uh, and also I realized in that period that all these amazing designers that are working about parametric design or computational design, everyone was doing their own thing. Okay. Not, there was not a community like this that could connect, uh, or publish, uh, these parametric design works on Instagram or connect everyone with together. So I realized that gap as well. There was lack of this kind of community and. What I tried to do was to get there and build up a community of parametric design and computational designers. And even on, uh, on social media, all those works were published by the designers. They were not getting that much attention out there. Or for example, they were getting published on ArcDaily or Design on the website, but not everyone was interested to post those kind of curvatures, the details of the projects or uh, the stunning patterns or the structures that are being produced by parametric design. So not every social media page was aware of this or not every designer wanted to do that because they were just wanted, they wanted to promote their work. Now, why should I promote someone else's work as I'm practicing? So I started becoming less selfish. Okay. I was designer. I was a computational designer, but I wanted to share your work, for example, because I loved the idea of architecture, the idea of uh, sharing good people's works. I was not becoming uh, jealous or selfish of why should I publish and make this guy popular on the, while I'm also a designer, I can get projects for myself. So as I get away from this idea, uh, the platform started growing. And uh, after some years, we reached like uh, 70K, 90K, 100K, 120K, and the platform started growing. On the way, I also wanted to build up a brand uh, that is a media company and also focused on providing tools and technologies for the people who wanted to learn about these tools. And uh, I started also opening other media channels on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Twitter. We established a company. I also uh, opened the website. So I was aiming to create a library of good parametric uh, projects. So whenever you are looking for some inspirations, you can go there and you can check what other people have, have done. Just only parametric projects like 
computational and parametric projects because you can go, for example, to other websites and you can find so many other unrelated projects to your scene as well, to your uh, agenda as well. But in here, we wanted to uh, to create a great library of uh, projects that have been done, designed by these tools and also fabricated by uh, the new methods of uh, fabrications like 3D printing or CNC milling or uh, robotic fabrication, let it be anything, hot wire cutting or any kind of these kind of projects. So after some years, and I, I, and I did this with, with my own passion. I was working as an architect in, in a company and all, I was doing this as my old uh, side hustle or side job without gaining any money. So beginning of the opening of the page from March 2016 and until 2020, I had zero income from, from the platform, like zero, like even not a penny. There was a couple of promotions like $50, $100, but that, that, could be, that couldn't be considered as the, uh, uh, a, a, an income that could, uh, you could rely on. Then after 2020, everything changed by the start of the pandemic. I was working as an architect and I, something happened. We, we had to separate our ways. If, if you want me to go into the details of those parts, I can go for sure. But at, from the beginning of the pandemic, we started becoming a, a self-sustained company and I started applying some business strategies uh, that I can also go over it if you want me to go uh, with the details. After almost three years, we have a core team of six people and also a couple of writers, freelancers working with us with a total number of yeah 15 people focusing on PA. Great. It's really fantastic to hear how your personal interest uh, directly affected your thinking. Uh, I particularly love hearing your idea about not being selfish with designs, right? Because uh, we're all kind of really inspired and, you know, in the age of social media, which some people would also call the age of personal brand awareness, right? We're basically yes. all individual personal brands. It's also somehow a shouting match, isn't it? It's like, it is. who can post more often, you know, what are the kinds of projects that people are posting? Is it the kinds of, let's say, Instagram sex images, right? That mm -hmm. people like to see and like. So it, it, it's, it's an age where everybody's basically a personal brand, right? And Indeed. everybody's competing in that sense. So it's really wonderful to hear how, what you were saying about being a little bit more open about understanding other people's ideas and, and posting those on your social media presence. Exactly. So that was the turning point, actually, when you, maybe you don't realize on this spot, but, uh, maybe if I would work as an architect, maybe I'm not a good designer, you know, I'm not a perfect designer. But I like the the ones that are really designing good. I like Mamamani's works. I like Tedeschi's works. I like uh, other talented people's works as well. So I want to share them. I don't want to be feeling competing with them or something like this. So uh, as I started feeling this way, uh, it already changed. I was giving them so many things that uh, uh, not every platform is giving. So this also made... Uh, our brand to uh, go higher, our brand to be recognized by uh, 
multiple uh, good designers uh, and also we, we gained a huge number of audience. Like for four years, I blogged and uh, gained audience. So that's not uh, easy work. So without no, working with another, in another company and doing this as a passion, I did four years with nothing, no income to collect audience. That changed actually to paying off as I started uh, becoming full-time in the platform beginning of the pandemic. By the end of almost mid-2019 that I was working in, in a company as an architect and also I was managing their social media, uh, I, I was getting offers from my uh, boss, my uh, my managers that, uh, yeah, maybe we could do something together to be involved in the PA or somehow uh, to be on board, do this together. At that time, I had no idea about the future of the company, but I wanted to, I, I was, I had some visions about, about it. I, I was not sure if it's going to work or if it's not going to work. I didn't know anything about media. I didn't know how, uh, how to manage a website. I didn't know how to manage a social media a company or something like this, but I had some ideas. I had some business plans to start generating income and uh, bring revenue to the company, but I haven't done it yet. So nobody believes you when you have not, you haven't done anything. Okay. So I also offered them, yeah, we can be a partners. We can be working with these uh, on, on PA together. Who, who else could be better than you that I, I, I was, I, I've been working with you guys for one and a half a year, and we can definitely continue together to grow a brand. As you have experience, I have the energy, I have the creativity, I can put together these two, build a great brand or build a good media company. But things started to change uh, as I was thinking in this way, as they offered me a 50% of partnerships uh, with, without any investment or any payment. And the bottom line was this, make us partner with 50% and we will find investors for you. If for your activities that you want to, we will find investors. I said, if the case is to go and find investors, I will find them myself, why should I bring you in the company and give you 50% of the shares so you can go find me? It's not a good deal. It's not a fair deal. And uh, after, you know, a couple of meetings that I had with them and uh, they qu didn't quite agree with my terms and I couldn't agree with their terms, why should I give my 50% of the company? I, I, I can understand the company didn't have any income but it has a global brand. It has a global recognition that it had valued something, you know? And when you build a company, it's like your child. You can't, you, you're taking care of it so much that you can't give it away uh, for free or for very less, uh, less uh, in return. So as I didn't agree with these terms, they started uh, firing me uh, exactly at the beginning of the pandemic. So, uh, that oh. was a tough time. Yes, exactly at the beginning of the pandemic, end of March, 2020, and everyone started to working from home or, uh, firing or reducing their workforce, uh, workforces, firing people. So I was in a bad situation for a couple of days, <laughs> but always thinking or a little bit pissed off. Uh, I, ha I couldn't do something to until now, 
what should I do now? I had some savings actually I could rely on. But for one, two weeks, I was very angry. But after that, I, I, I said to myself, I need to do something for myself. And even I called my accountant to close the company that I established in 2018. Uh, she was a really helpful uh, uh, person. And uh, I always appreciate her her uh, uh, guidance and advice. She told me, Hamid, just listen to me. You have worked for everyone else for 10 years. And this is the first time that you have to, uh, you have time to put uh, full time into your, in your own company and just do your own thing. And if you want to close the company, it would take at least six months. So if you want to reduce the cost, you have to pay the six months costs as well. And uh, just try to do something for yourself for three months. If it didn't work, I will close the company for you. So she guided me a lot on this. Uh, I appreciated her uh, advice. I listened to her and started applying some business strategies, doing some online stuff, interviews, conferences, partnering with other people, uh, Sushant, uh, Arturo Tedeschi, uh, Michael uh, Pryor from Design Morphine and doing the CD Next conference and also starting uh, Academy was definitely a good start to, uh, first of all, to give value and give information. That's not just aiming to generate money uh, because the focus that I had was not to create money or to have an income. That's the second or third goal because I did PA no matter what for four years for free with, with, with passion. But it, at some point, it should have some economic return so I could continue it. So we started these online events and it paid off and the company started gaining revenue with collaborations with uh, the brands that we had built for four years. And people, when we released the CD Next conference or Academy's uh, workshops, people were just uh, very excited to see something from PA, you know, uh, the first conference that we had almost uh, like 400 registrations with all of, from all over the world and uh, start, it started paying off and I worked for one year for myself and then started hiring other people. And now we have really a great team uh, in, in our company after four years, three years, actually. It sounds like, a, first off, a very hard moment during the pandemic. I think that yeah, I think that the pandemic uh, affected a lot of people, career-wise and otherwise as well. Myself included. You know, we moved countries during the pandemic, yes. and so. But it's wonderful to see how s sometimes we need something, right, to kind yes. of almost hit us in the face. To take that yeah. bold next step that you always feel like inside your heart that you might want to take. And you, it, it might be almost good that it happened because otherwise you might still be working in that company and not have parametric architecture become what it is today. So it's, it, I, I'm personally, I know many people have also been affected, you know, with perhaps family members and so on with the pandemic, including my grandfather who passed away. But I'm, I'm sorry. very 
thankful about the opportunities that he gave me because it's a really big like punch in the face in a way, isn't it? Okay, you have a choice to make and you have to make it now. You know, usually it could have taken five, ten years to be able to come up with the same decision that we were forced to come up with in such a short period of time in, in that respect. So I'm also grateful for you that that happened for that to be able to create parametric architecture into what it is today and what it's becoming. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's exactly what you mentioned. That in, in Persian, we have a term, which means uh, something bad happens to you, which you think it is bad, uh, but as you have no control over it, it turns out to be something good. So that's exactly what happened to me. And I was, uh, even if they would accept my offer to be partner, I was asking for a very little money to give my 40% of the company. They were asking for 50, I was uh, proposing 40. So I, I, I'm really thankful that they didn't accept. <laughs> <laughs> really, yeah. I just think that way. Like now uh, we're very, very uh, in better place, better uh, position. And uh, I'm very thankful of that. So you talked about the value that you were trying to almost sell to your previous company that you worked for. And perhaps there is a level of disconnect when it comes to understanding the value today for a newer generation and what it means for a brand or a company than what value meant before, which was, let's say, experience. So it's interesting to hear your perspective on that because it feels like what value is today has significantly changed. And if brands want to really adapt to new technologies and new audiences, they have to kind of get on board and understand that new value that perhaps didn't exist five, ten years ago. Exactly. Uh, in terms of, uh, if, if your point is on uh, media, uh, uh, I, I, I can divide this into two sections if you're talking about the media part and or if you're talking about the architecture part. Definitely for the media, uh, now the, the these online platforms has made everyone to be a media company. Like you don't need uh, the X magazine to come and publish you so you can gain exposure or you can gain notoriety uh, or, uh, sorry, you can gain fame uh, to do something or raise your brand. Now you can just start a TikTok page or you can start an Instagram page and start promoting your products, your uh, creativity, whatever you're doing. Uh, now we're in, in a position that we don't need the media or the magazines to give you a recognition or something like this. Everyone is now a media company. The effect of social media and this was huge and oh, definitely it's a considerable amount. We, we have seen so many uh, architects popping up out of nowhere, becoming a, a famous or well-known or award-winning, just posting on Instagram or just uh, posting on uh, um, TikTok or LinkedIn. And this 
definitely is a considerable amount. And after the rise of, uh, especially on Instagram, uh, it had a huge uh, impact on the general understanding of who is a good architect, who is bad architect, or who is uh, famous or who is not based on the number of the followers or these kind of stuff, which is definitely a wrong thing to evaluate or measure one, one architect's goodness or badness. We saw this gap as well. Now we have run a studio workshop called Social Media for Architects and Designers, where we're going to talk about this deeply, how architects should use social media for their own personal branding and uh, building up a good portfolio on uh, Instagram or uh, any social media and website. But definitely, uh, it had a huge impact on PA's growth. Like Instagram was basically the first and uh, one of the most successful channels that we had. And uh, based on that, we built our brand, we hired, we settled, we uh, ex expanded our business. We uh, now have LinkedIn, we now have website, we now have Facebook. And all of the all of these stuff are affecting the way our income is also balanced, like up or down. Most of media companies uh, are dependent on the uh, algorithms of Google or algorithms of social media or something like this. Sometimes they are being affected because they don't have final product. Uh, their product is to give impression to readers or to uh, provide. Uh, articles or projects, but but we as a media company, we're not just a media company. We have other things to do as well. We have education. We have a product that we are offering. We have subscriptions. We have conferences. And if the Google changes algorithms, it affects us definitely. But it's not in that way that we 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 we, we go down or we uh, because the impressions are l less. Uh, we we don't fill our workshops or these kind of stuff. The new media is shifting towards the video. And now we're also to, uh, trying to shift towards video on TikTok, on YouTube, on uh, these kind of stuff. The, the new type of the communication is like under 10 seconds video or under one minute video. In one minute video, how can you transfer all the information that you want to say for example, in five-page article. So these are the things that now are speaking with the Gen Z. And as you move forward, you need to find those ways. You need to adapt. You need to uh, uh, you need to uh, uh, be speaking with their language. And uh, we, after ten years as PA, we're not gonna be uh, having like. Uh, architects joining our workshops uh, when when they know everything. We will have just people joining from the bachelor's degree, from the universities who are entering to this new world. That's why we have to speak with their language to transfer the information in their mediums, in their... So in that part, definitely media is changing and it's changing fast. Uh, some Some people might not be able to adapt and get, uh, go out of the game. But those people who are adapting are gaining exposure, their brand go higher. Uh, but this doesn't mean whoever is not doing uh, social media 
is not a good architect or a, is not a good designer. This is not true. This is wrong thinking. We have very good architects that even they don't know social media or they don't use, they don't have any channel, but they have marketing team. They are, they are, they have so many projects. They're doing amazing projects, buildings from the architecture standpoint. It's also media is affecting architecture, the way that it's being published, the way that projects get comments, the, the way that uh, public have uh, feedback on the projects before they get built. Uh, it's definitely changing architecture as well. Uh, we have seen so many uh, requests or I've heard so many requests uh, from architects that their clients say we need Instagrammable videos or we need Instagrammable views or uh, something like this. Definitely it's affecting architecture as well. And uh, we'll see what happens in the future. I hope I answered your question. I got a little bit off topic probably. No, I think you're right on point that <laughs> the landscape into which we measure value is shifting a little bit. Yes. And perhaps we do need to touch upon the what architecture means, I think, as well. I wanted to ask you more specifically about parametric architecture, but I think your comments allude to the consumption of architecture. Traditionally, architecture has very much meant about building up a physical space for people, right? But yes. in the land of social media, in the digital age in which we live right now, it's actually expanded a little bit beyond that to the point perhaps where architecture crosses into the art world, right? Designs that are perhaps not designed to be realized some days, but designs that either touch on a specific aspect, for example, parametric architecture or anything else that are meant to be consumed in a different way, not necessarily live inside of them, right? So True. do you think that architecture is evolving in that sense? Do you think it's, it's growing beyond its traditional boundaries of what it means to be an architect and what it means to do architecture? Mm -hmm. Yes, I think uh, by now, uh, everyone's definition from what is architecture is very different. And we have seen this, we, I've heard this from so many architects that I have interviewed. Each one of them has different definition yeah. and we are in the process of reinventing and exploring what is possibly considered as architecture. So as the technology shifts, uh, architecture also shifts, the boundaries change and the definitions change as well. Uh, like uh, 30, 40 years ago, designing for metaverse was not an architect's job. Okay. Now it's an architect's job, meta architect. We have a term uh, emerged with our profession, meta architect or other terms as well, like BIM architect, BIM specialist, or uh, like parametric designer or parametric architect. These, these, are, these are the things that definitely are the examples of uh, that reinvention in architecture as we move forward, we are reinventing our profession. And uh, the other day I was talking to Arturo Tedeschi and he was also mentioning this, that we are reinventing architecture uh, with the projects, with the AI, with the 
uh, 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 all of these creative tools that we have now, the definitions are changing, the design process is changing, the uh, the way we look at architecture is changing. The architect is not anymore required to, for example, uh, to go and sketch on paper, but to open the mid-journeys uh, prompts and uh, type a couple of things. So definitely the sketch part is also very uh, highly needed and very highly appreciated as well. But now as creative people are shifting towards this medium, towards this tool, it's gonna also uh, expand it to other people everywhere as well. Like we're not using any more uh, paper to present uh, for clients or we're not using uh, outdated technologies to uh, present our projects. But now with the emergence of AI, now we are in the process of reinventing architecture. What's possible uh, for an architect to do? What are those boundaries? And these boundaries are getting blurred as well. An architect can design a product or we have so many friends, or I know so many good architects that switched from uh, architecture to product design. Uh, a couple of, I can give so many examples actually uh, from product design into architecture, from interior design to become a, a industrial design. These are so uh, vast and uh, the technology helps a lot. The technology, uh, as it moves forward, uh, it blurs the boundaries, other disciplines pop up, uh, interdisciplines, uh, interdisciplinary uh, uh, professions also uh, emerge. Uh, for example, with the rise of robots or let's say 3D printing or robotic arms, there are special specialists needs needed that both know architecture and both know how to work with, with the robot. In case of 3D printing, it's the same. In case of BIM, it's the same. We need people who know also engineering uh, to talk with mechanical and electrical engineer and also with the architect. That's why at BIM software and BIM specialist is there to bridge this gap. And as we move forward, there are so many spots are popping up that architects can jump. And also there are so many opportunities that offer that architects definitely can consider and by doing all these stuff, we are reinventing what architect can possibly do and what architecture is. Yeah, it's an ever expanding field in a way, isn't it? Which is good exactly. because in my experience, and I'm sure it's, I'm not the only one, I feel like traditional architecture is, is very, it's quite a conservative profession, right? It it evolves quite slowly and it has very much to do with building, right? Because building and construction, they're quite conservative professions on their own right, in the sense that the way the is get the way that we build today, you know, hasn't evolved so much from the way that people built yesterday. It evolves but not at the rate that maybe other professions evolve, like the medical industry, for example. So yes. it's interesting also in regards to thinking about architecture, because we do have a very traditional, you know, typical architecture studios on one hand, 
And then we have all the evolution that you just talked about in regards to the ever-expanding field of architecture. And there, some, like more Arthur Mamumami that you mentioned and many others like that, that kind of try to bridge that gap and, you know, be involved in both ends of the spectrum. I really appreciate people like that because many people, they're so involved in maybe their traditional practice that they don't maybe think about the evolution of what it means to kind of mm -hmm. expand into new fields into it. So exactly. are there people that you notice like trends or companies that do try to shift or do you think that many are just staying where they are and then new companies will pop up in their own place? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, definitely, there are people and companies that are now uh, try to catch up with the wave of AI. Uh, but before talking about this, uh, I also want to mention a point about uh, the conservativity in architecture and construction. That uh, technology is the last part that uh, emerged with our profession because we are very slow, uh, the construction process is very slow and uh, they can't completely 100% accept, adapt a, ch a new change uh, that is coming. Uh, sometimes it takes year for a technology to emerge with construction and that's a huge, uh, uh, I don't say, I don't want to say a disadvantage, but uh, that's something that makes it very, slow and conservative. And in terms of uh, the new type of technologies, I'm, I'm also consider, uh, concerned about other people uh, out of architecture, helping architects. And that's, that's how it shows we are uh, not able to solve our own problems. You know, uh, I always give also this example of uh, Uberization that Uber uh, effects, all we can call Uber has started changing uh, automotive uh, industry actually because they developed apps, a, a bunch of students or a bunch of people who know how to uh, write codes. They're changing, uh, they have changed the, the, the entire transportation industry because you don't need to call a taxi, now you are just calling with the app. And uh, these tech companies like Tesla or like Uber have changed automotive uh, transportation industry. And it's now happening in architecture as well. Other people who are just not architects designing softwares for architects to use. And uh, I'm a little bit concerned about this. Why until now architects has never come to joining their forces to create some Data, database or something that could be used by other architects as well, because we're selfish and we don't want to share our uh, data with other people to explore, to, uh, if I design a hospital, why should my data be out there with, available for another architect? This is the, uh, the point of selfishness that, and the arrogance that architects have, and uh, they're not helpful with, uh, to, to other uh, colleagues or for, to other people in the same industry. But now, because we haven't done this 
ourselves, now the help is coming from outside and they are disrupting the industry. They are changing our industry. They are having an impact in our industry. Not We're just users. We're just using their technologies. So that's the concern that I have about this, but definitely there are innovative architecture offices or personal uh, freelancer, freelance designers that are using these type of technologies, AI, and they're also creating projects, fabricating them, and uh, they're in the front line of uh, using uh, AI as, a, as, a, as an architecture tool. And we are also focused on uh, teaching about these or sharing this knowledge with other people as well. That's why we are also doing mid-journey workshops, DALI workshops to not only uh, uh, the, 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 the creativity that people are creating, we can distribute it to other regions, other parts of the world. That's where we are focused now and uh, doing these workshops for. That point that you say that we don't control the tools that we use, I completely feel you on that part because it is something that I have thought a lot about. Right. If we think about the age before computers, architects own their pencils and architects yeah. own their tracing paper. Right. So whatever you sketched belonged to you. And to the point that you said that architects don't share their data, they actually do. But with Autodesk, right? Because <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Autodesk collects data and analytics yeah. from their software. But, yeah, they but don't we care didn't about... see any we, we didn't see any AI tool from Autodesk. Not yet. They have this data bank. Maybe not yet. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure they're thinking about it, but it's, it's a point I feel very strongly about. And that is that we as architects do not control the tools yeah, that, that give us like our paintbrushes, right? So somebody else controls that. And that's how I got into open source a lot is by thinking about that challenge and the fact yeah. that there's a, a company, a for-profit company that has its goals to create profit for its shareholders, as it should, because that's the point of the company. But the goals of that company do not align with the goals of the architecture profession. Right? True. And and there is like a, a very big disconnect in that. So I, 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 I completely feel what you're saying, because we should somehow as architects kind of embrace technology, maybe to the point where architects collaborate to create their own software, right? That we can all use exactly. and share. That's the point. Exactly. That's the point yes. that I was trying to say. I totally agree with you. We, we don't collaborate with each other and people are creating softwares from outside for us. So yeah, uh, that's well, a there are yeah. a couple of French <laughs> niches, right? So Blender BIM is something like a BIM plugin for Blender, which is also a native IFC tool, but that's yes. maybe in the boundaries of very traditional architecture, but it's open source and written from people that are within the industry. And then mm -hmm, there's mm -hmm. a, a platform called community.osarc.com org which is osr standing for open source architecture mm -hmm. and there is even a company called opening design 
which is architects that believe, strongly believe in sharing data and they publish a fantastic library of construction details that are available for anybody to use and to learn from. So that's great. So I think, yeah, as you mentioned, yeah, Blender is a, an amazing software. As I saw you using it, it's, it has almost the capabilities of Maya. It has the capabilities of Rhino. It can create parametric design and, uh, as it as it evolves, I'm sure it will do so many other uh, things as well. And I'm curious to see what's the future for Blender and how uh, the competition will be between <laughs> this open source software and also Autodesk or let's say Rhino. <laughs> yeah, well, McNeil are actually maybe one of the really good guys in regards yes. to the architecture technology industry, because they do listen to feedback. They're a private company, so they don't have shareholders. Uh, they're perpetual licenses, so you don't have to pay a subscription fee just to ask, access your own drawings. So they really listen to their customers and any improvements, they're open for anybody to vote or suggest what comes into the next version into it. So exactly. uh, their model works quite well. And as we know, probably there isn't a singular software that changed the industry as much as Grasshopper in the last yes. 10 years, because exactly. it enabled so many wonderful things out there. So they play a very Indeed. kind of important part within architecture. And it's great that they're kind of not jumping on track with all the other companies. And create a subscription-based software. Exactly. And it's also interesting to hear about their story as well. I I had a discussion with Robert McNeil, the founder, and yeah. uh, he uh, told about where they started, how they started, what, how they choose the names, how they started Grasshopper. Mm. And uh, it was a really nice, uh, it, it's really good to hear for whoever is using Rhino Grasshopper. It's really useful information. Uh, so many people uh, ha had question where the name Rhino comes and he just replied. <laughs> so it's very nice uh, to, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, Grasshopper, uh, Rhino or McNeil have a little bit uh, better point of view on that rather than creating a uh, subscription that you can access your own drawings. They are giving the license and you can use it uh, with no limits. So I totally agree with you, but Blender as an open source, I think it's the, uh, the, the, the toppest, the best thing that a software company could do. And, uh, we may see Blender, uh, used in the offices in the future, uh, more actually. I certainly hope so because it provides a tremendous amount of value for architects, for designers, for anybody mm -hmm. that wishes to explore digital design a lot more. And that's kind of my, one of my purposes is exactly that. It's showing people what Blender is capable of, more specifically on the parametric side of things, mm -hmm. but there are also other people that are showing it on the BIM side of things or more traditional architecture side of things. Exactly. No, I, th I think, uh, I've, 
I, I knew about Blender before, but I didn't know that much detail as I started knowing you. <laughs> so <laughs> you were the one who introduced more features uh, for Blender to me, actually. And I'm admiring your passion about uh, the software and also your passion about making the pop software popular and accessible with the YouTube videos that you're doing, with the uh, workshops that you're teaching, and they're so valuable. And I'm so thankful of uh, what you're doing as well. Likewise here, thank you for being a partner in this and kind of spreading the idea that there are alternatives out there. You know, we don't need to all learn the same exact programs. And you're showing that for Blender, but it's also good to see that PA Academy is jumping on board really early on, let's say, into understanding how AI can be used within architecture design and become another tool to express the output. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, we're just trying to uh, distribute the knowledge uh, for every corner of the world. Whoever doesn't have access to go and attend uh, a master's degree in SciArc or AA or Bartlett or MIT, we're just bringing those people and making them available so they can uh, people can learn from these people uh, from every corner of the world. So it's uh, it's really good, really good. Cool. So. What are you most excited about within architecture and technology at the moment? I think uh, generally I believe working with an architect is something luxury, you know? And it's hard to hire an architect for random or normal people. It's very hard to work with an architect because the I can also understand the architects are uh, they should be paid good uh, to do design, uh, to uh, put their time. But also, <laughs> uh, for normal people, it's very hard to work with an architect. But I see the future that with the with these tools that are emerging, with uh, AI, AI tools, 3D printing, it's much more going to be accessible for normal people to work with an architect and uh, to build their projects much faster and with much more sustainable ways. And these housing projects that are emerging with 3D printing technologies and 3D printing companies are really great opportunity, are offering great opportunity for people who uh, want to have a very uh, cozy and a very good, 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 uh, good house. And there will be definitely uh, 3D printing companies offering uh, uh, like uh, like uh, buying a house will be uh, as easy as buying a, uh, a product on the internet. Uh, my, my vision is also uh, these companies will be offering different type of housing projects with different time of printing, with different style or different styles from architects, for example. Uh, this is a design by Zaha. This is a design by Frank Gehry. Just giving an example, this is a design by Dimitar. And this project is going to be printed in one week. If you want Dimitar, it's going to be 10 days. It's, if you want Zaha, if it's going to be 12 days. The costs will be different. And 
the the technology is moving, I think, forward in that way to decentralize the uh, the knowledge of design and also the knowledge of uh, fabrication. So everyone could have a Zaha style house, for example, a, a, a Dimitar style house, and they can live inside those things. This is just one of the visions that I look forward to see in the future in architecture and our profession, but definitely we are looking for other opportunities as well. And uh, Metaverse is one of them. Uh, product design is one of them. And uh, building in space is one of them that we are so focused on, on it as well. Uh, archi how architects can focus on space architecture and uh, design habitats for outer space, for other planets, for stations, for, as you if you've seen those movies or, uh, they're all offering, uh, those sci-fi movies, they're all offering super futuristic interiors, super uh, cool architecture. But when you check the space station, International Space Station, it's all very mechanical, all those interiors. It's so hard to live inside those things. Psychologically, you just living in, in a machine, right? It's yeah. not an architectural space. It's not uh, mentally helpful to live there, for example, for a year, for six months. So I think uh, architects should consider about space architecture more as well, as I have the same type of discussions with uh, Valentina, with, uh, with Javier that we had, uh, we, we had him in the panel discussion as well with Melody, all these space architecture community. And uh, there's a gap there that architects need to fill that gap as well. But for future, definitely, uh, as the technology is emerging, the definitions for architects, architecture is changing as well. And uh, it's going to be more accessible for people. We're going to live definitely in much better houses, much better uh, environments, uh, much much. Uh, uh, like much affordable ones maybe and uh, we we as architect definitely should consider about uh, the cost of uh, design the cost of uh, lowering about the cost of design the cost of uh, uh, fabrication or construction and uh, because not everybody is living in high quality spaces or high quality architecture and uh, definitely we should consider about these things for future. And it's not just Great. about designing complex, uh, uh, architecture or complex spaces. I think thinking about designing of more optimized uh, plans is much, uh, important than designing much complex spaces actually. And, uh, we as architects, this should be our our goal to also serve normal people as well. Well, it's good that you mentioned that because I was also thinking in the back of my mind, rapid deployment of architecture in disaster relief zones, right? Like with, with yes. the earthquake, with what's happening or with war tone yes. zones and how can the new advances in architecture, are, 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 how can the new advances scale the design capabilities up to be able to 
rapidly deploy new structures, new housing for all those mm -hmm. people. Exactly, like the the, 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 uh, the earthquake that happened in Turkey uh, a month ago around border of Turkey and Syria, it was very dis disastrous happening. And uh, there was not good type of uh, deployable or uh, fast track housing projects to be developed or uh, uh, implemented right there. And uh, there were some high quality projects that uh, was brought from uh, some European countries, but the local ones were normal tents. And uh, this could be much more high quality space and much faster, much better, much well-designed. And uh, it helps a lot uh, in these situations, actually, when people have lost everything and they're now living in uh, those small structures, let's say tents for how long? Yeah. This is very uh, annoying. I mean, it's very sad and annoying. So we don't have, as architects, we don't have solutions for these. We say we have, but we don't. Yeah, because it needs to involve a lot more than just architecture, yes. doesn't it? It's about policy yes. making and the construction industry in, yeah, on board budgets, together. Economy. Yeah, that also affects a lot. But uh, yeah, as architects, we don't have the power as well. You know, <laughs> we are always dependent on uh, the clients, on the money, on the uh, like. It's not just sometimes our duty to do something uh, for ourselves. Like we should collaborate, we should expect uh, for uh, budgets, we should expect for uh, confirmations, uh, verifications, these kind of stuff. So it just shows that architects have less power in the growth of a society as well, actually. It's definitely a changing industry on, yes. in regards to the impact of society. Exactly. Right. Exactly. That's true. So to wrap up, and this is a question that I didn't include in the notes, but I'm just thinking about it now. So what is, what are the next steps for parametric architecture? If there is anything public that you would like to share, is there like a vision or something new that's evolving? Yeah, of course. Uh, like at PA, we, I always had this concern of education, uh, how it could be decentralized and how it could be much more accessible because the people we also bring as instructor, we also pay them as well. So uh, I myself, I wanted always to learn some stuff some new things from the famous people that are out there, but I never had the chance, actually. This is one of the basic ideas that why I created Pacademy. And I never had the chance to learn from them or go, for example, study a master's degree in the university that he or she teaches or uh, study, a, again, a bachelor's degree or find a professor. But now what we are doing at Academy is bringing those people in our academy in much more affordable prices and much more uh, convenient way. You can sit from your home and learn from someone 
who is at MIT or someone who is at, uh, um, I don't know, AA or SciArc or these kind of places. And uh, at, at Pacademy, at the first stage that we did was just bringing those people and teaching in our academy, which much more affordable prices. But now we're going into another stage of uh, even making that one much easier or much affordable as well, like small version workshops. And the next stage was for us for creating the subscriptions that we are doing the workshops for free just for our subscribers with a four euro per month. Uh, which is just less than a Starbucks coffee. We are Four teaching. Euros. Yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes, right. we are teaching the basic understandings of the software, actually. So it's not just a YouTube video out there. It's much more better, high quality and longer hours. And we're trying to disrupt the uh, education industry to be available for many people, not just elite or uh, rich people who, who can afford to go study in those universities. I have this lack in myself as well. Like I, I couldn't go, so I'm trying to build this for, so everyone can use it. <laughs> so I'm not designing anymore. I'm not, uh, shifting. I'm not thinking to move towards that again as well. But uh, if I was designer uh, back then, I, I knew any kind of this, this kind of platform, I would definitely sign, I would definitely join. And this is one of the visions that we have at, at the academy, but for PA generally, we, we want to become a platform and we are now a platform, but we want to become a, the, the, the most reliable platform to learn the new tools and technologies whether it could be by generating an article or by writing about a project, by criticizing a project to make the future of architecture better, or whether it could be by uh, holding a conference or doing a biennale or doing a, a workshop or talking to people, creative people like yourself, or uh, any type of medium or any type of the uh, communication and uh, style that we, we require, we definitely want to use them to make these tools and technologies available and accessible for everyone. And emerging this with the future of architecture, how the future of architecture will affect the future of PA as well. These tools and technologies are changing architecture. And together with that, PA is also changing, trying to adapt and evolve and uh, to reach more people, to reach, uh, uh, because reaching more people means reaching, to, to sharing this knowledge to uh, more people, which will result in high quality spaces at the end, designing high quality spaces, designing much uh, better structures, designing uh, beautiful uh, spaces. So uh, even if our contribution is not seen that much, uh, it is contributing and we are receiving so many good comments and uh, emails from the people who are joining our platform that we have changed their perspective about architecture or the way they think about the design process. And I think this is very, very valuable for us. And our audience is one of our first assets that we have. My team is our second asset that we have and we are all at PA trying to, to uh, move, move towards that vision. 
That's fantastic that you could just answer that question. Clearly, you have thought about that a lot, about the vision of both PA and PA Academy. So it's great to hear about making a more accessible content to a wider audience, because I do believe that, you know, education is a core, uh, a core skill that's required to evolve the profession, the field of design and architecture. Exactly, exactly. And uh, mentioning about that point is also like I, I've, I've, I read a couple of books about the future of education as well. And it also changed my perspective about the workshops that we are doing. Okay. And people, for example, like working as a, a 2D drafter or uh, architecture drafting, and they've been doing for this for 20 years, they need an upgrade. They, they, as they want to continue their career uh, on track and not being affected with these kind of tools and technologies which disrupt the industry, they need an upgrade. How they can upgrade themselves while they are working full-time in an office. So the way for these people to introduce them with the small packages of knowledge that they can they can attend. They, not everybody can join uh, AA or can join a master's degree to learn these tools. And after having a master's degree, even uh, not everybody wants to do a second master's degree after 10 years or third master's degree. So these courses of knowledges, uh, these packages of knowledges are helping them to upgrade themselves in next level. So if you're working as an architect for five years, after five years, you need to upgrade yourself. And because the technology is moving fast, you need to catch up, you need to adapt yourself. And the way that you can do this, learn from people like Dimitar, learn from people uh, like Josh or uh, Tim, who are uh, new in showcasing the new tools in, in the industry. So uh, to, to that point, we're offering these knowledge packages. So whoever is at its sixties or fifties, they can also learn these tools and apply in their projects as well. So I think that's also very important that we have just 30, 40% of our students from universities. The rest is from industry, people from industry, even from architecture offices, people contact us, register five or six of their employees. Then uh, they say, okay, the five of our employees are joining this workshop or they just subscribe and they uh, learn the basics of Rhino Grasshopper or the beginner level workshops that we are doing. And we're having these much these things a lot in our platform that people are uh, interested to upgrade themselves after some, uh, some years that I've been working with the same tools, with doing the same job for over, over and over again for years. So it's also in interested. Uh, it was also inter interesting to mention about this as well. Yeah, I well, I was driving yesterday from our ski vacation. So a five hour drive. Uh, luckily, the kids were asleep half the time. So my wife and yeah. I, we like to listen to podcasts. And one podcast that we particularly enjoy is uh, The Future by Chris Dew. Uh, and it what he says basically is that he, he was giving a very specific example of how he hasn't seen some people in over 10 years that he meets up again at an event. And they say to him, oh, Chris, you've changed a lot. 
And he says, <laughs> of course I have. If I haven't, I would still be the same I were. But we have to always <laughs> learn and always evolve exactly. and always up upskill ourselves. So it's definitely appreciate what you're saying, right? Because we can't stay still when everything else around us is evolving. Exactly, exactly. I, I personally, I hate staying at the same place uh, over, over and over again. I love to evolve. I love to go up. I love to grow. Uh, I love ch to change. And uh, this is the driving force that uh, enables me to push the company and push this platform forward as well. Cool. So do you have any upcoming events or courses that you would like to let the audience know about that they should check out? Oh my God, we have so many events actually upcoming. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure to mention which one of them, but definitely one of the most important are the AI workshops that we have. And mm -hmm. uh, the Computational Design Next is upcoming in April 15, uh, 16. Uh, the grasshopper workshops that we have, the Revit workshops that we have, and also the, the important workshop that uh, we are doing ourselves, social media for architects and designers. If anyone I is think interested, I'll definitely just... join you in that one. And I was even thinking in the back of my mind to let you know that you should definitely offer that because you clearly kind of cracked the way to go forward. So <laughs> it's very good to see you yeah, offering that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, we look forward to share what, what we do at PA uh, as a media uh, company, uh, how we manage our content, how we publish on social media, and also give some offers, uh, recommendations, and examples to architects and companies who are interested to uh, grow their uh, presence on social media and internet generally. So we're definitely uh, going to share uh, very useful insights on, on uh, using the social media as well. Great to hear. Now, there is a question that I did not get a chance to ask you, uh, which me. maybe that means that we should talk because it's a very important question <laughs> that everybody, again, like architecture, has their own take on it. And that is, what is parametric architecture? But I think that's a very lengthy topic, and we might leave that for potential another podcast episode later. Yes. So <laughs> thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for all your opinions. Thank you for parametric architecture as well, because I think it is giving a lot more exposure to projects that use our technology in an innovative way, not only for design, but also for construction, which maybe young architects don't realize, but experienced architecture, especially ones that have been around computational design, we realize that that's where there's the most potential to disrupt the industry. Exactly. No, thank you. Thank you so much for the invitation. And I'm so happy to be here. And it's always nice to talk to you. And uh, I know your passion about the uh, using of tools, technologies as well in architecture. And uh, your passion about uh, sharing the uh, uh, insights about Blender and uh, the things that you're uh, publishing on YouTube. I'm always watching and following them. 
And yeah, I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, Hamid. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much. Goodbye.